What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. I am the Martian, joined by my co-host, Ozzy. How are we doing this week, Ozzy? Great. Uh, you got the holidays uh, coming up. We're going to have a one-week break uh, right after this card. And coming off that uh, pretty fun uh, card last week, tons of finishes, you know, lots of action. And uh, fortunately for me, was able to come out, you know, ahead a, a, a bit. I think it uh, was definitely a, a card of uh, a lot of variance. But uh, looking to finish the last uh, four cards of the year uh, super strong and uh, carry that momentum into uh, January. Yeah, I had a slight loss on bets for me last week. Uh, literally as slight as it gets, 0.01 units. But, you know, a loss is a loss. Um, and like Ozzy said, it was a good card, though. A lot of finishes. Uh, a couple guys we had high hopes for didn't live up to those expectations. Specifically, Baeza, uh, Arce, and our girl Letson. She really let us down there. But, um, you know, like Ozzy said, we have a week off after this. I didn't even really fully re realize that. But, um we got one last card before that break, before that Thanksgiving break, the Fiera versus Tate card going down this Saturday, 12 fights from the Apex. And let's get right into the first fight. Um, I just noticed none of these fights are above welterweight, so we got a lot of lower weight um, fights and, you know, some good betting spots in this one, even though it doesn't have the best uh, name value of this card. So starting things off, women's uh, strawweight division, we have Luana Pinheiro as the massive favorite, minus 410, taking on Sam Hughes, plus 310. Um, I don't think Hughes is that bad, honestly. I think that uh, she has a decent skill set. She just has really no physicality, um, and that's just going to be a big problem for her. But her fight against Loma was really close. I had a big bet on Loma there, and we just scraped that one by. We got pretty lucky, honestly, that Loma got a late takedown there. But Hughes' boxing looked all right there. Her cardio looked good. She won round three. And Pinheiro is definitely going to be taking her down early here. Pinheiro's got that judo background. She loves hitting those throws. But I'm not seeing much of a top game from her. Haven't been too impressed with her striking. So I think the striking actually favors Hughes here. And if Hughes can survive those first couple of big takedowns, maybe wait till Pinheiro gasses out, I think she has a good chance to win rounds two and three here. Um, so it's a difficult decision whether to pre-bet it or to live-bet it because I think Hughes is going to likely lose round one, get taken down. So you might as well wait till round one goes by, bet Hughes at like plus 600 for a small bet, and just hope that uh, Pinheiro gasses out because Pinheiro has never been out of round one in like six or seven fights or something like that. So... Um, I have a little bit of Hughes here to pull off the late decision. What's up, Ozzy, on this uh, fight for you? I don't have anything too groundbreaking here. I think, uh, obviously, uh, the thing with Hughes is at range, uh, you know, she, she's usually looking to close the distance. And against Pinheiro, you know, she has a lot of these uh, judo throws. And the thing is, she, she has those forward throws or she's kind of throwing people head over heels. But... You know, I think that she could probably also hit some pretty easy uh, trips and, you know, foot sweeps and things like that on uh, on Sam Hughes. Sam Hughes has kind of slow feet overall. Uh, you know, looking at the prop side of things here, I think I find it kind of interesting that uh, the fight is kind of 50-50 to go to decision or not um, <clears throat> with uh, Pinheiro uh, inside distance being close to uh, evens as well. Sam Hughes has shown to be, you know, to take uh, damage uh, okay, I guess, you know, even though that fight against uh, Torres was stopped. Um, but I think overall, uh, Pinheiro, she, I think she could find herself in, in trouble because her control, not the best. Sam Hughes probably does try to get up uh, off of takedowns. And, you know, sometimes when you uh, 
you're a fighter, inexperienced fighter like Pinheiro, when you're getting all these opportunities to land either big strikes or big throws and you continue to take them, that saps, saps your uh, gas tank away and leads to, you know, the thing, you know, with judo, uh, it's a very anaerobic sport where it's all about, you know, very uh, short burst of activity. So I think that's why, you know, her 15 minute conditioning is probably not the best, but I'm not going to have anything on Sam Hughes here. Uh, you know, not a spot that I really want to risk uh, her just being, you know, being able to stay in the fight and, you know, making uh Nero wilt because I don't really think that's Sam Hughes' game uh, overall. So I'll be, uh, I'll probably be skipping this fight for sure. And one last thought on this, the uh, Sam Hughes decision only on DraftKings plus 250. You got to <laughs> think if it gets to a decision, Hughes has a pretty good chance to win, you know, considering Pinero's never won outside of round one. But that's enough for that fight. Next fight's in the featherweight division. We have uh, Shalinian or um, Sean Soriano as the minus 280 favorite taking on Shalinian. I'm not going to pronounce the whole name. I'll just go with Shalinian or how how are you going to pronounce yeah, this? Yeah, Shalinian. Shalinian or Shalinian. Shalinian's uh, rolls off the tongue a little bit better. So what is it? Uh, minus 280 for uh, Soriano plus 240 on the comeback for Shalinian. Um, you know, Shalinian had that uh, debut fight against Koulibau, which I think when you looked at the scorecards after, it was uh, a little bit closer than I thought it was. Um, you know, Shalinian, I, I just don't really know what his game is. I would assume he's looking to, to grapple a, a, a lot more. One thing when I was looking at this fight that I forgot is that uh, Soriano for this fight is going down, back down to 145. Uh, he was in on short notice against Yagos uh, and up a weight class while Yagos is a very, very big uh, lightweight. Um, this fight, I, I, I'm not, you know, I know some sharp guys that that, that like the uh, Soriano side. They just really like his striking and how he connects it. And, you know, Shalinian kind of just stays on the outside a little bit. He's kind of in and out. Um, the only success I think he had against Koulibaly is when he was clinching and holding on to him and, you know, closing the distance. But Soriano, pretty good at uh, cutting angles, staying off the cage, uh, and has a pretty good left hook. So I think he should be able to, to use his uh, lead hand, uh, stay on the outside, and, you know, land some strikes here. But I think that, you know, I mean, Shalinian's jacked. He's huge. Uh, and I... While Soriano is pretty accurate and, you know, has hurt um, a number of his opponents in the past, I think for this fight, I'm, I'm going to be looking at this over or uh, goes a distance because Shalinian, to me, I don't think he has too much finishing upside, um, you know, with strikes or, uh, or on the mat. And Soriano, although I know that he definitely wants to get, um, you know, come back in with a splash off that last fight and uh, get a finish here. His conditioning to me, uh, when he's pushing the fight uh, a lot, is a little bit questionable. So I don't know how much uh, finishing upside he has in the later rounds uh, where Shalinian, I think, did slow down versus Koulibau. So I kind of like that over or goes, goes a distance at close to even money. Um, and, you know, definitely going to be picking Soriano here. But uh, but I don't I don't really favor him to to finish this uh all, you know too often just because I think Shalinian is able to stay safe, able to probably clinch up uh you know on some occasions and uh, slow down uh, Soriano. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with pretty much everything here. Um, I mean the overs, I really don't see Shalinian finishing. I I don't see much skill to anywhere in his game. Um, and Soriano is a pretty decent defensive grappler despite getting submitted in his last fight. So I don't really think Shalinian's finishing at all. So the goes to distance being, you know, almost even money or uh, almost a pick him here. 
uh, is kind of weird because 50% of the, the finishing equity is probably on Soriano. I, I think that's wrong. So yeah, you got the right idea with the overs and the goes to distance here and over two and a half is still probably value. And uh, I might even play that myself. You know, I don't bet overs uh, because uh, Shalinian, his grappling is just extremely mediocre. I mean, he was <laughs> able to get some cage pushing against uh, Cooley Bow, but wasn't able to really get many takedowns. Just kind of gave up after that first round, honestly. Maybe he looks better here, uh, you know, coming off of his second UFC performance, but I was really unimpressed with what I saw from Chilean. And even though Soriano lost his last fight, he came in short notice, up a weight class, one round one, was hurting Yagdos, and just kind of got caught with that Darce in uh, round two. So um, I still think that Soriano is pretty capable of winning and covering here. Uh, I think he has the takedown defense to stop the takedowns and should win the striking pretty comfortably. So, uh, I agree with all of Ozzy's thoughts here, and that's going to move us along to the flyweight division where we have Cody Durden as the minus 161 favorite. Uh, we got Aori coming back at plus 141. And, you know, pretty fun fight here at flyweight. These guys are, uh, you know, both seem like pretty high action fighters. Um, Durden was looking good in his last fight against um, Jimmy Flick before getting caught with that flying triangle pretty crazy outcome there i think i was picking maybe even betting flick submission there and i thought that was looking really bad and then all of a sudden flying triangle finish um but you know aori is pretty good as well i thought uh i wouldn't call, go as far to say the guy's good but he put up a good performance against molina ozzy and i talked about this a few weeks back that he had a good you know first nine and a half minutes of that fight before getting dropped at the very end of round two and, you know, could have potentially been up 2-0 over uh, Jeff Molina, who I think is, you know, a pretty decent promising fighter. And Aori just seems tough. He knows how to come forward. He knows how to put up volume. He can <laughs> wrestle a little bit, but um, the guys also look pretty bad when he gets taken down here. So Durden being that uh, collegiate wrestler, you think he's probably going to hit some takedowns here. But the striking, I think, could go either way. Um, Aori is extremely tough. He seems like he has good cardio. Durden's cardio, Durden's durability, I think, is kind of up in the air. It's a bit of a question. So uh, I think Durden could start pretty well here likely win round one but i could see aori coming back and winning uh, the last two rounds and making it close so i think this is close enough of a fight that i'll say it's dog or pass uh, i do think this one is going to be a decision as well like uh, ozzy was saying for the last fight um and i think aori has a good chance of coming back but um that's my thoughts on this one what do you what are you going with here uh yeah so all the action has been coming in on Durden. uh multiple people that uh you know i speak to you know like Durden, or you know are on the fade china pi and you know all those things uh but Durden, for me i don't like i don't really like him at all um he's coming off the acl surgery that he had last in january um so i think he got cleared i don't know you know it's a it's a 11 it's a 10 month comeback from uh, acl surgery which is not too uncommon nowadays but this is uh third and second fight down at 125 so he's he, he had to be off his feet for three or four months there or two or three months whatever it is um now coming back down to 125 his gas tank incredibly questionable um he was in on short notice against gutierrez but did not have the weight cut to 125 at a two-minute break 
in the second round after getting hit in the nuts and still uh, gassed horribly. I mean, he the guy literally lays down the last like 50, 45 seconds of the fight uh, because he's too tired um, and, and is able to scrape by with a draw, fortunate for him, even though that first round, he didn't really do that much. Uh, so I don't trust the guy's cardio. If you look at his record, it's littered with, uh, you know, kind of first round finishes. It's also littered with a bunch of guys that you can tell are very grappling deficient. Ayori has some hilarious uh, regional tape for you guys if you want to dig into it. Um, so, you know, not that I find the guy that trustworthy, but in the in the interim, in like the year and a half, I think between his last like regional fight and, and the fight with Molina, I thought that he looked much, much better. Um, he's pretty aggressive on the feet. He'll throw flying knees. Uh, you know, he'll look to present his uh, head, you know, present himself in the pocket so he could slip and throw punches. Third in, don't like his jab. Don't like any of the connective striking that he has. His wrestling is pretty strong. You know, he'll look to get behind you, you know, ride you down. But once it one, once it is on the ground, I don't really think he is that good of a forward-thinking grappler. Like, I think that um, a lot of times he's uh, he's not ahead of his opponents. And it, he, it, he just looks like an anxious guy to me overall. And when things are not going great for him, he kind of starts getting worried, and I think that taxes his cardio uh, more so as well. So I don't think on the ground it's going to be a blowout for Durden uh, if it's not in the first like two three minutes. Overall, um, you know, even when he is on the ground, I don't think you know his submission game isn't uh, anything to really write home about. Uh, he had uh, flicks back pretty cleanly, didn't really set up any submissions, just looking to throw punches. And then on the feet, again, I'll reiterate some of his shot selection just really poor. I think he was patting himself on the back for all the strikes that he had quote unquote landed on flick but if you look back at that fight a bunch of these punches are landing on you know flick's arms flick is blocking all of them and cody starts like kind of running out of ideas um and then he eventually gets finished by a flying triangle so the guy's down at 125 once again if iori can keep this fight on the feet uh for you know more than half the fight i'd say i think he's probably gonna knock cody cody out i just you know i know that cody's super committed right now uh to, you know to this comeback fight really wants to get a win but I couldn't pay any juice on him at all. I think Ayori will push the pace on the feet. Uh, you know, he he's a little bit, like I said, wild. So I would not be surprised at him getting wrestled here uh, for the most part. But if it is on the feet at any point, I think that he is a much more accurate striker, throws much more uh, strikes and much more strikes that uh, will do damage and uh, be, you know, look good in the judge's eyes. So I think uh, Aori's aside here. I haven't bet it yet. Um, you know, I think uh, plus 150 is probably the buy point. It hasn't gotten there every time it's gotten to plus 145. It's gone down a bit. So, you know, uh, and looking at the prop side of things, just really quickly, uh, it's very, it's favored to go the distance. So, I mean, if you think that uh, Iori's such a bad grappler, and you, and which most do, and you think that Durden is such a good grappler and is going to be able to ground him so often, why is this so much favored to, to go the distance? I think if this goes the distance or if this, if Durden's not finishing Iori or just, you know, completely stifling him, uh, he's going to be in a lot of trouble on the feet uh, in those uh, second and third rounds because he's a guy, He if he doesn't complete a takedown, one, he sells out for them. He, he, he goes super hard for them. And if he doesn't complete the takedown, um, you know, he starts questioning himself, no doubt. So um, I like Iori. I'll pick him here and uh, potentially bet him if the uh, the line continues to increase.
Yeah, another decision-only prop, plus 150 for Aori there. Sounds like you would like that one as well. And that's going to move us along to the lightweight division where we have a very anticipated matchup. Uh, Ferris Ziem, minus 123. Terrence McKinney, plus 103. Yeah. Uh, so great matchup here. Two, two lightweights that uh, have had some, I, I would say, pretty exciting fights overall. Uh, 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 taking out the uh, Don Madge fight for uh for Faraz but for Zium you know a lot of people were are high on him he's done his uh this camp over at uh what's it called not black zillions uh what's Henry Huff Stanford Stanford I always forget their name Stanford MMA so I think he's been there for six or seven weeks um you know really really good range uh striker uh Zium is just very very well rounded he's six behind his jab uh, he has good front kicks, good light kicks, uh, head kicks, um, and then once he is on the ground, whether he is on top or bottom, he is uh, pretty good down there. <clears throat> if you look back at that Jamie Malarkey fight, he hits some really, really good sweeps that uh, that are setups overall. It's just you know they're basically traps, so so things that it's you know weren't they weren't lucky, they weren't um, you know given to him by Malarkey. It's just you know very good timing and uh, and, and just being a smart overall grappler. Uh, by Zium. On the other hand, McKinney, uh, just a whirlwind of just, you know, strikes and techniques. You know, the guy throws head kicks and then, you know, falls down and lands on his neck, which, I mean, I've never seen a fighter like Terrence McKinney uh, have a run like he's on currently at the moment um, because he's hitting all his, you know, all the strikes that he's putting out there are strikes that are, you know, that he knows that he, that he practices, you know, that he's doing what he wants to do. It's not, I don't want to say it's lucky because I feel luck is like when you're not like going for something and it just happens for you. And that's not the case with McKinney. McKinney's going out there. He's like, all right, I'm going to kick this guy in the head or I'm going to launch this left hand or I'm going to take this guy down and then I'm going to, I'm going to bash his head in. So that's his strategy. Bash guys heads in, you know, put, put out damage. Um, so, but th in this fight, I just think that ZM is more, he can mold into a fight much better than McKinney can. Uh, you know, overall, it's pretty hard to take uh, ZM down, even though he has been taken down by a number of guys. He has a pretty strong clinch. Uh, he moves pretty well on the feet. Uh, one thing that I am a little bit worried about is it, this is the small cage. And then you did see in that uh, fight against Luigi that uh, once Luigi just started going forward and kind of cutting off the cage a little bit, um, ZM did walk into a few strikes. But the thing with uh, McKinney is just the arc of his punches and things like that. I think it's pretty predictable and e it should be uh, rather easy for ZM to at least go in there with uh, a mindset and knowing what to avoid. I can't believe that Frivola, after seeing what McKinney did, him on, in on short notice, like your strategy is not to extend the fight, you know, stay away from, you know, initial... Uh, exchanges and and just look out for that left that left hand side um so zm has a kickboxing background i think he should be able to to snipe at uh mckinney uh loading up on those uh left hands and kicks be able to counter him and then as the fight goes on i think he should be able to chip away a bit more i do favor this fight to go the distance so i do like uh zm inside the distance i'm not i wouldn't go zm uh you know, KO only because I do think he could possibly snatch up the neck of McKinney. I think he has some underrated grappling, and I do see a plus 800 for his uh, his submission line, which I think I'll probably have a little stab on. Uh, but I think uh, Zium overall should be able to stay out of trouble 
um, his chin, I don't think is is very is bad. And I think that with the help of Henry Hooft, I think they'll craft a good game plan and be able to uh, stay in the fight uh, with McKinney long enough for uh, McKinney to start tiring away and uh, him to start landing uh, the the cleaner and more accurate uh, strikes. Yeah, McKinney's on quite a hilarious run right now. And if you go back and watch his fight against Sean Woodson, he was mostly grappling back in that fight. And he actually had some decent takedowns. He got a few back takes on Woodson. Um, really shows how much Woodson's defensive grappling has improved. But this guy has definitely fallen in love with the strikes in his past few fights. And I mean, the technique that I'm seeing is extremely wild and he's open for counters in the pocket, but he's fighting guys in LFA that, you know, aren't the highest level fighters and he's able to nuke them with a few shots. And he's just, you know, high rolled himself on four quick round one finishes. Like, uh, as you said, that Frivola fight, pretty embarrassing by Frivola, a veteran like him, uh, to get starch like that in seven seconds. Um, but now we're getting some good betting opportunities on them. Um, Pharisee is a guy that uh, Ozzy and I have been pretty high on throughout his run. Uh, he's been steadily improving. You can see it in his takedown defense, especially the Malarkey fight um, showed really good improvements. Um, was a little bit concerning how he got rocked at the, uh, in round three versus Vendramini. Arguably got 10 aided in that round, but uh, we scraped away a majority decision there. Um, but I just think that Vendramini is actually a decent striker uh, you know he's got some pop um he's not an incredible fighter or anything but the guy can hurt you with some shots as we saw in the in the uh the pimblet fight in his fight against Ari. um so i actually think that you know it's a it's a pretty comparable uh you know matchup between those two guys um because if Ferzium can get this fight extended if he can get past that first minute or two where mckinney's been getting all of his knockouts I think that he's going to be pretty, you know, in pretty good shape to win those later rounds. He's got more experience later in the fights, especially recently. And I just think that McKinney's, you know, not really fighting to the best of his ability right now. Like I said, the guy is a pretty decent grappler. And if, if he were able to mix his grappling in with his strikes and settle down a little bit, he could be better. But I think that he's going to be falling in love with this first round knockout type of style, that the style that's got him really popular. I think he, he he's going to come out hard here. And if he doesn't hurt ZM and knock him out in the first two or three minutes, I could see him slowing down real badly. And uh, ZM getting that finish rounds two or three, like Ozzy was saying. So I like ZM here. Um, if the guy gets knocked out, in round one uh you know so be it we're going to get another good uh, spot to bet against mckinney in the future um but for this matchup i think mckinney is solid enough uh to be able to avoid that early knockout and win the later fight zium zium <clears throat> you mean yeah what did i what did i say the mckinney <clears throat> oh i did oh yeah all right yeah we're going with the frenchman um so mckinney seems fun i think he uh will maybe get a little bit of late action here hopefully we can get maybe uh a pick and price on uh, see him across all the books or maybe even get see him as a even money underdog, something like that. So pretty fun fight on the prelims. And we're going to move on to another fun fight. Uh, women's strawweight division where we have Lupe Godinez as the minus 170 favorite. Loma look with me as the plus 145 dog. And I do have a bet on this fight. I missed the price on Loma, but I, I better plus 130 up to plus 145 now though. But I don't even like CLV. We're cool with that. Um, and I just think that this fight is going to be uh, um, taking place on the feet. Uh, I think that Lupi's uh, grappling game is getting a bit overrated after, you know, smushing that that bum Sylvia Juarez, uh, 36-year-old strawweight with no UFC fights. Lupi did dominate her on the mat and tap her out. But 
I just think that that was, you know, an extremely bad opponent. And uh, I think that, you know, the market could be overrating Godinez's wrestling ability here because I think Lupi could win the fight. Um, if she doesn't wrestle, though, I think if the woman stuck to mostly punches, tried to pump out a lot of volume, we have seen Loma struggle with the boxing defense. Sam Hughes was landing shots. And if you know Muay Thai well, um, you know that their fighters sometimes their fights don't have the most boxing in them. They're mostly clinching, kicks, knees, elbows. Um, so their fighters aren't too skilled in the boxing range of things. And you can see that with Loma. She keeps her hands pretty low. She can eat punches at times. So if Godinez comes in with the right game plan to throw a high amount of punches here and to, to try to box Loma, I think that she does have a good chance at beating Loma. But I kind of think this fight will end up in the clinch. It will end up in those spaces where I think that Loma has an advantage. I think that she is the more skilled clinch fighter, uh, obviously a wealth of experience in the clinch in her Muay Thai fights. Um, as long as she doesn't go for too many throws here, you know, she was able to hit some takedowns on Hughes. I think that wouldn't be the wisest decision here. I think that she should just try to keep it standing, keep it in the clinch. And she's she's nasty with knees in those clinch. And she's, uh, you know, just really skilled at controlling those clinch from all those years uh, of experience. So I know Loma's a little bit undersized for the weight class. Uh, Loopy does seem like a, a decent prospect, but I'm going to be going with Loma to, you know, win the clinch battles and uh, win this 29-28 decision. I would be surprised if any other outcome besides one of these women winning 29-28. Um, so what are your thoughts here, Ozzy? <clears throat> yeah, so I obviously completely disagree. Um, you know, Loma, if you look at all her fights, girl gives underhooks up for free. Uh, you know, and, th and her main counter to giving up all the underhooks for free are those little foot sweeps, those little, you know, when you're grabbing that ear because you're giving up that underhook and turning, you know, and, and tapping the leg and getting on top. But when she is on top, has zero jiu-jitsu game. Literally, she took Angela, Angela Hill down. Uh, and then the next, you know, two seconds later, she was in an arm bar. And then two seconds after that, she was in a triangle. Uh, and this is against, again, Angela Hill. Uh, so, you know, these takedowns that she does or she gets are of no substance. They just waste energy for her, waste time on the clock, more importantly for her. Um, and I think once this fight, if once it does go into the clinch, because it will, uh, Loopy's going to be able to scoop up those legs and double leg her pretty easily, pull her off the fence. You know, I think the uh, narrative and, you know, uh, looking at Godinez, I don't know how a month ago, two weeks ago, I don't know how long ago it was when she fought uh, Carolina, but Carolina's a giraffe. Uh, if that fight goes you know, 12 more seconds in the first round. It's GG first round armbar for Godinez. Um, and then if you look at the subsequent next two rounds, uh, Godinez for sure was a little bit, I, I would say, tired. You can see she's breathing a little bit heavy in that uh, uh, second or third round. But even then, she's getting into the clinch, getting in on takedowns, you know, spinning around to, to Carolina's back. And Carolina's such a giraffe that she's able to stay up. You know, Godinez can't, you know, hit those. And she's a, such a smart uh, grappler because sometimes she was going for these double legs and she's trying to use, you know, those like reaps and trips and inside, outside to, to trip Carolina down. But she was just having too much of a hard time. I think uh, the, the tendency of uh, Loma to just give up underhooks, you know, give up her back is to make it easy for uh her to her to spin behind her uh and and uh be and you know get her to the ground eventually and once this is on the ground you know just there's a huge 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 uh skill difference uh between these girls and, and 
it, it's just not something that I think uh, Godina is going to be able to, um, or excuse me, Loma is going to be able to catch up on. And then even at range, uh, Loma, she's going backwards very often, you know, always on the back foot, uh, doesn't throw too many jabs, um, you know, doesn't really, her leg kicks, a ton of naked kicks, even for a tie fighter. So I think uh, Godina is going to be able to have uh, a bunch of opportunities to catch kicks, Lander jab. I think she has the quicker hands as well. And again, on the ground, just a huge difference. And when they're in the clinch, which, like you said, is Loma's strongest point, she's giving up the best positions that you can have. And her only offense from there to recover are those trips. So she's definitely going to go for them. And Godinez is way more skilled uh, in in navigating and moving around her hips and legs uh, to be to be getting caught. Uh, with some of those trips. So I think Odinez uh, gets it to the ground uh, and, and puts some ground and pound on her, potentially stops her. I know some people are on that submission prop, but personally, I, you know, now that it's above like minus 170, minus 165, not a bet that I'm probably going to make. I've considered it a lot, but, you know, it kind of stings to have uh, backed Godinez when she was smashing Carolina and, you know, end up losing, you know, that, uh, more or less close decision. So I like Godinez here, and I think she's going to uh, be able to control the fight here. Nice, nice. Glad we got one to disagree on uh, after agreeing on the first couple fights. And I think we'll disagree on one or two more throughout. So um, we'll see who wins the head-to-head battle next week. But in the next fight, we got in the lightweight division, uh, we got Hoffa Garcia, minus 115, Natan Levy, minus 105. This line has been kind of bouncing around between Pickham, uh, even money all week. And uh, it's your turn to start this one out, yeah. Ozzy. Yeah, so I, th- th- I think this is a pretty interesting fight overall. Natan Levy only has six, uh, you know, fights overall. But I've heard a lot of good things about the guy is all I could say. Um, you know, I, I, I like his grappling game overall. I think, you know, some of these takedowns that he's getting in on, uh, I think it's pretty interesting just overall his skill set for a guy who I thought was more of a karate guy when I was first uh, watching him for his contender series fight. But very puzzlingly surprised. I think he does some very nifty uh, and intelligent things on the ground that makes it look, I don't know if he's uh, credentialed, uh, like actually has his uh, jiu-jitsu black belt. But for me, he, he moves like a black belt on the ground. He has a very impressive top game uh, and does a lot of the things that I like to see from a fighter uh, when, when they are on the ground in terms of floating on top, finding guard passes, uh, you know, landing strikes here or there, and, you know, some of the control positions that he goes uh, goes for. Um, I think we're getting some uh, anchor bias here on this line that's letting it sit at this, like, uh, plus money range. I think this is something that I've uh, discussed with you in the past a little bit. But I think it's uh, off of, you know, people saying, hey, you know, Hoffa Garcia was minus 300 against Chris Grismacher, who's a veteran, UFC veteran. It was a close-ish fight. So how can he be, you know, even here? But, you know, I don't think that really holds uh, true. One, that line was obviously incredibly wrong. You know, pe- uh, people that laid that chalker holding on to that, uh, you know, the, the the bit of success that he had via landing one left hook on a gritsmacher that rocked him. But the shot selection of Hoffa Garcia is just terrible, in my opinion. I don't know how this guy trains with Whitman and all these other guys. Because if you look at that uh, gritsmacher fight, he's spamming a left hook. He has no jab, never throws any jabs. Um, 
when you know later in the fight when he's entering the pocket he's entering with you know forehead to forehead like with his hands up just at his head you know just walking into the pocket every time gritzmacher throws any strikes or you know just gestures at uh garcia at all garcia is flinching he's putting his hands up he's sinking into his stance and what what ends up happening gritzmacher starts banging the body uh, uh and for levi for levy what's going to happen is it's going to be easy for levy to get in on takedowns because these karate guys what are they best at they're best at fainting they're best at you know coming into the pocket quickly you know quick twitch movements and anytime that you throw these punches at Halford garcia he covers up he sinks into a stance and he's kind of i don't know if he's looking at the floor but it looks to me like he's looking at the floor and it's going to be easy for for you to just throw you know a jab across whatever uh and then get into the clinch or shoot in takedowns on him and levy has a, a good array of takedowns he could finish singles doubles trips off of them you know i think he has some throws and some judo trips as well and once he is on top i think hoffa garcia he has some ground ground game but i would say it's probably lower level uh in the ufc positionally not very great not able to hold he's getting top position on gritsmacher not really able to hold him down um his combate fights, Eric Gonzalez, uh, Humberto Bandene, they're escaping a bunch of times on him as well. Uh, you know, I think Eric Gonzalez was, he almost, you know, decapitated him in the end of the first round uh, because Hoffa Garcia, his cardio, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's kind of strange. You know, he'll come out early in a round, look okay, and then completely fall apart. Against Nazrat, you saw the same thing uh, against that you saw against Gritzmacher, forehead to forehead, hands up, shell, you know, in, in the shell. And, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Nazareth is kind of like looking at him like, you know, what are you doing? You know, on multiple occasions, you know, they're, they're like just standing there and Nazareth's just looking at him like, are you not going to do anything? And then just, you know, hit, hitting him in the body, hitting him in the head. And those are two fights that have happened in the last eight months where he's ate, he's ate a considerable amount of damage. So I like Levy here to finish uh hafa garcia uh i'm you know i'm not gonna get too you know i don't get too crazy though with the with the finish props so i like that money line here at, at a close to close to even i think uh once this is on the ground whether he's on top or bottom i think i like and just to go into the grappling game of uh garcia i think if he is shooting on levi uh, levy i think levy's gonna be able to reverse him or just not uh you know go to the ground if you see some of the takedowns that hafa garcia is going for he's a lot of times shooting in on the legs and having to finish with like trips on the backside and you know collapse the guys over i think levy pretty uh has pretty good dexterity in those legs i think he'll be able to limp leg out of some of these takedowns you know get to the back position hold him down and then start putting on you know elbows punches on him and uh eventually hopefully progressing to a submission here yeah, looking at the props for this one, Levy submission plus 460 Fanduel and Garcia knockout plus 650. I think if Garcia is winning the fight, it's via striking. And, you know, we have seen Levy hurt. He did get rocked really badly, almost TKO'd in uh, one of his most recent fights in LFA. Let me forget the gentleman's name. Ben Alpha Lugo. has no power, man. He doesn't, this guy does not throw hard. Any punches that he lands are kind of like clubbing punches. If you see after that first exchange with Riff Gritzmacher, none of those punches had any steam on them at all. Uh, so, like, I really, really, really do. And, like, I mean, he's going to war with these guys in combate, and he's not hurting them at all. Um, so, I, you know, I'd be really surprised. Even though Levy's chin does look a little soft at times, you know, I'd be super. And, and this is a southpaw matchup as well. 
uh, this guy Garcia was lost against Nazrat uh, and even Humberto Bandanay as a as a southpaw because he can't land that left hook as easily, which is his best punch. Very very difficult to land that lead left hook against the southpaw. Um, yeah, I, I do think his chin is just so weak though that the some punch could just put him out here. But yeah, I mean, if Garcia is winning, I I think it will be by knockout. I think that. Um, if he starts landing strikes on Levy and, you know, he's out striking him, Levy's going to shoot takedowns and, uh, there's a good chance that Levy just takes him down at will for, throughout the entire fight. I think he's the far superior jujitsu fighter. Um, like Ozzy was saying, in a lot of Garcia's combate fights, the guy wrestles heavy, he goes for takedowns and, you know, he's just he's just fighting a lot of low level grapplers. So sure. He was able to submit some of them, but I'm just not impressed with the guy's top game at all. You know, his, his takedowns versus Gritzmacher weren't keeping him down at all. Gritzmacher was bouncing back up from them easily. And I think that Levy has shown pretty good cardio. That one fight that he got hurt versus Lugo, he was able to recover. He was able to gut out rounds two and three there. Um, so it shows that he can, you know, recover from some adversity. He can uh, come back and win a fight that he was losing. And I think that um, I am impressed with his takedown arsenal. I saw him hit a good, very amount of takedowns in his uh, LFA fights. Uh, and I think he should be just able to outgrapple Hafa Garcia here. Um, he seems very good on the ground, heavy on top, like Ozzy was saying. So unless Levy gets trapped in the feet for long periods of time and knocked out here, um, I think that he's going to be winning the fight. So I think Levy money line combined with uh, Garcia knockout could be like a way to secure guaranteed profit. But I mean, that plus 460 sub line, that's looking pretty James good. James well. Okay. That's looking pretty good as well. Um, you know, I mean, the difference in, in grappling level is it could be like two to three belts in, in this fight if you're looking for like a reference. So. Plus 460, not bad for a submission uh, for a and guy who's a, going to be grappling. There's a reach advantage here, right? I think Levy has uh, maybe a, a three or four inch reach advantage here as well. So, I mean, I just think the, the, the overall package of skills here that you're getting in Levy, although he is a uh, very inexperienced, I think that uh, it's pretty solid. He's up at 155 now, so I think his cardio will be uh, a bit better than it was in the past. Yeah, four inches of reach. No, I, I, see, just, I only see one. Uh, UFC stats has one. Who knows, though? On topology, I see 72 for Levy and 68 for Hoffa. But, but either way, Levy's a longer fighter. You know, I think Hoffa, he has a good camp behind him. He is training hard. He obviously is on a two-fight losing streak. So third fight, uh, a third fight L will probably be curtains for him. So it's always... Uh, uneasy to sometimes bet against those guys. Uh, um, nah, I, I, have, I, I have a joke here, but I'm not going to say it. And uh, yeah, so, but I think Levy, Levy gets it done here. All right, yo, DM uh, Ozzy later to hear what that joke was. I'm, I'm curious myself. Um, so next fight's going to be in the featherweight division. Really fun matchup here. Two guys that we're both pretty big fans of. Um, we got T Tucker Lutz taking on Pat Sabatini. Sabatini is currently minus 121. Lutz plus one and one a lot of action coming in on Lutz these past few days and um you know i think the line is about right where it's at i think sabatini being a slight favorite minus 125 minus 130 is about right um because i do think he is the better wrestler um he comes from i believe a division one wrestling background probably a black belt in jujitsu um training at uh eefc marquez mma in philly which is the best gym there that's where sean brady jeremiah wells trains and it's definitely, you know, the best gym in the Philadelphia area. Maybe even, you know, one of the best gyms in the, the entire country. It's really coming up, honestly. So, um, 
I, I have been a little bit underwhelmed with Pat Sabatini, though, in his UFC run. Um, I, I, he dominated Connolly in the first two rounds of that fight, but then kind of made round three a little closer than it had to be. Maybe took the round off. I mean, he did secure rounds one and two extremely easily. So he was up 2018. Maybe he just um, wasn't in that great shape for that fight. Um, and then he did have that scary moment where he got hurt on uh, the, the feet or uh, by Emmers, but uh, you saw him get mounted there. You saw him be discombobulated for 20, 30 seconds. But then right when he got his wits back about him, he started getting a bite on that leg and uh, gripped that nasty ankle lock. I mean, Emmers is just such a moron for going, Peel hook. Peel hook. going, uh, Oh yeah. Um, he was going for a toe hold on Pat Sabatini. <laughs> Meanwhile, he was in an inside <laughs> heel hook, like the most. Then we devil- say, we said, you go back to that, and you hear. That I said, I guarantee you, or th- that it was likely that Emmers is going to think that he is the better or equal grappler, and is going to get him in trouble. And what yeah. happened? And, and Ozzy, Ozzy specifically what said happened? the words. Specifically said the words. Pat is well versed in leg locks. And Jamal um, Emmers is clearly not because I'll tell you right now. You say he's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, all this stuff. Anyone with any experience knows that you should not go for a toehold when a guy's got your inside heel. Inside like heel. That. That's, I mean, that was crazy. There's a good. There's crazy. a good chance that like Emmers is never the same after that fight. I mean, he got his crazy. knee torn apart. That's one of the and, worst you know, that, decisions I've seen in a UFC fight this year. Yeah, um, but uh, getting back to this matchup, uh, Lutz has impressed me as well. You know, he had some fights at 155 in the Contender Series. He's dropping down to 145. He looked, you know, pretty solid in his last fight against Kevin Aguilar. Not the highest level opponent, but he got the job done. I think after the fight, though, he said, you know, he was disappointed with himself that he, the, the, the judges uh, gave Aguilar round three. So, you know, this guy's a, a good round winner, in my opinion. He can wrestle himself. He can uh, smash that calf kick with leg kicks. And he's got decent boxing as well. So I think the guy has high output. He's got good cardio. He's got wrestling ability. So I think he's going to win a lot of UFC fights. But he is facing another guy who is a really skilled wrestler. So he's not going to have that same ability to hit takedowns as easily as some of his past opponents. And I do think that the striking favors Lutz, you know, by a good margin here, I think that like 70% of the striking exchanges will be going his way. I think that calf kick could really uh, pay dividends late in this fight with shutting down some of Sabatini's wrestling. So uh, the only reason I'm not fully endorsing Lutz here is because I didn't like the way he got taken down by Sherrod Blackledge. Um, He got double-legged in that fight. And I think that Sabatini could hit some takedowns early on here. Sabatini is definitely a fast starter. And I think that there's a good chance that Sabatini gets a takedown, wins round one. But as the fight goes on, Lutz is going to start being able to stuff those takedowns, do that calf kick damage, win the striking and boxing exchanges, and uh, pull off the uh, 29-28 decision here. So I'm looking to live bet Lutz here. I think uh, the line where it's at now is about right. Um, if anybody, if you're betting anybody pre-fight, I, I guess it would be Sabatini because I expect Lutz to be you know plus 150, plus 170 after round one. So. Uh, those are my yeah. thoughts here. Really fun matchup. I got I got a lot of thoughts about this fight. So, uh, you know, Lutz, he's okay. I think, you know, I, I liked him in that Kevin Aguilar fight. He's very well-rounded. He's he's a big, he's a big featherweight overall. He's got, you know, we, just a weird-looking body. He's got, like, a wide, a super wide back, very long legs, um, and, you know, just overall pretty durable um, and, and overall smart. You know, I think he uses all his skills and, you know, all the rules, right? all the things you could do in MMA to mix it up pretty well. But, you know, looking back at a lot of his fights, I just feel that there's uh, tons of opportunities here for Pat Sabatini to be in this fight. I'll tell you for right away, though, there is sharp money, very money that I respect on Tucker Lutz. But this is, uh, 
you know, plus 135, plus 130, plus 140. Uh, right now, we're getting to even money on that side. And I'm getting interested on, on in the Pat Sabatini side. Uh, I, I'll tell you, I'll go over to the LUT side. You know, looking at his striking, a lot of his kicks, even though I think he does have some Muay Thai background, uh, are very are naked kicks. Uh, check out that Kevin Aguilar fight. Kevin Aguilar counters him on multiple occasions, hits him with left hooks, you know, catches, you know, kind of grabs the legs a little bit. But, you know, just a lot of these kicks are naked. And uh, as someone who has made, like, I won a bunch of fights off of catching kicks, I'll tell you that Pat Sabatini is ready to catch a lot of these kicks and transition them into takedowns. And I don't think that Tucker Lutz uh, just st stops doing that at all. I think that is just a tendency that he has. I think that's like a filler that he has when he is on a feet because when you see him, not throw very many jabs is more of a blitz blitzer when it comes to uh to throwing strikes and i think that uh that goes into the hands of people that want to just okay you know close the distance on him when he is uh you know thro throwing these punches out um on you know on the side of pat i think that uh some of the striking for pat is a little bit i think it's a little bit undersold because he is not like a kind of uh, like a guy, let's say, that we'll maybe look at later on, like Hani Yahya, who he's kind of like coming out of his stance a lot, like chasing takedowns all that much, you know, and not keeping his frame and keeping his hands up. You know, Pat, whenever he's he is throwing punches, he's got his hands up uh, on the back end. He's throwing a combination. He has some good kicks, too. I think this guy did do some karate uh, back in the day. So he'll, he'll throw out some calf kicks as well in his own right if this is extended on the feet. But overall, I think that he'll be able to uh, let's is not a pressure fighter uh, uh, at all. So I don't think he's going to be putting uh, Sabatini on the back foot very much. So what I think is going to happen is Sabatini's going to be going forward. Lutz is going to throw one of those kicks. Sabatini's going to take him down. And then from there, let's see what happens. Because, you know, Lutz, I do think, is is uh, pretty smart overall on the ground. I, I think that he knows he is at a ground disadvantage here. So I think if it does hit the ground, he is going to look to stay safe, uh, probably scoot to the cage, get his shoulders uh, there, and uh, start to get up. But in all his fight or most of his fights, he looks to to grapple. He looks to you know shoot takedowns and and break up the pace of the fight. I think when Kevin Aguilar started coming forward on him, you know Lutz is like, all right, like I'm much bigger than this guy. If you look at that that fight, he's way bigger than uh, Kevin Aguilar, and he shoots in on those takedowns, completes them pretty easily. And he knew he had that in his back pocket in those uh, second or third rounds, so he went to it pretty often. Uh, same thing against Blackledge, even though Blackledge did uh, take him down in his own right. You you know, Blackledge, super skinny guy, no, 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 you know, doesn't deadlift or squat at all from, from what it looks like to me. Uh, and was pretty, and uh, Lutz was able to get in on his, his hips pretty easily. But you see that uh, Cody, what is the name? Cody Gibson, Chase Gibson, whatever his name is, the first contender series fight he had. Uh, Gibson ends the fight on his back uh, from like a very, very simple transition. Uh, and Pat is tenacious. I think, you know, uh, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, uh, Lutz has the cardio advantage and all that. I don't, you know, even though Pat slowed down a little bit in that uh, Conley fight, I do think it was a case of UFC jitters. You know, you you go into a, a, a fight where, you know, you've never had a UFC fight. Uh, you're coming off, you're going into your first fight uh, or your second fight since the or It's just a, a packed arena, all those things and, you know, all the anxiety. I think that did cause him to slow down a little bit more. But I think that he's able to push the fight more, especially if it's grappling. I just think that Lutz, in all his fights, there's grappling. 
in every single one that he's fighting uh real guys so i think th there is going to be grappling here i think uh sabatini is going to be able to take him down and i think on the feet when let's is throwing strikes they're just not great strikes that are um th that are really going to to stymie uh pat sabatini i think pat is significantly better than kevin aguilar uh and 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 all these other guys that let's has been fighting but i think it's a close fight but now where it's at now uh, I think there is value soon uh, opening up on Sabatini because I don't give Tucker much of a chance to finish Pat. I just don't think he has the power or, um, you know, overall output in, you know, the shot selection that is going to be able to stop uh, Pat. Uh, and I do think that Pat is going to be able to, uh, once he does get his hands around Lutz and does get him to the ground, if he does get good positions, I do think that he is very live uh, to potentially find a finish. But I do favor this fight to go distance. The over, I think, is uh, is a good bet. And uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a super fun fight. But I'll pick Pat here. I'll let this line keep coming in. And if it comes in, you know, a good deal more, uh, I'm going to be on the uh, Philadelphia kid. Yeah, I agree with the overplay. I'm not too impressed with Lutz's power either, but I, I think you're you're overrating Sabatini's striking a little bit, and I'm pretty confident Lutz is going to win those exchanges. So uh, a fight that we're disagreeing on here. And, you know, this card might not be the greatest, but, like, looking at these last four fights we just talked about and this next car fight we're about to talk about, I mean, that's five good fights in a row. I mean, we're all pretty invested and interested in these. So, I mean, this card has got some sneaky good matchups. Next fight. Bantamweight division, Adrian Yanez as the considerable minus 310 favorite taking on Davy Graham plus 260. And you start yeah. off. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, Yanez is back here. Uh, you know, really, really good prospect. But you look at these, uh, you know, four opponents, five opponents that he's fought. Let's say the last four opponents, you know, none of them even close to the level of Davy Grant. Uh, yet he is the biggest favorite, I think, that he's ever been, even a bigger favorite than he was against uh, Gustavo Lopez, uh, which is very, very nuts. interesting. What do you mean not? I said nuts. Uh, yeah, nuts. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, so, I mean, overall, Davy Grant, though, you know, I, I, I get it. You know, he got his jaw broken by Martin Day. He was getting uh, pieced up a little bit by uh, Jonathan Martinez. But overall, Grant, uh, the way that he throws out offense there, it one cuts uh, exchanges down is in he's uh typically or a lot of times getting the last say when he is throwing back with people uh and you saw yana's uh i don't know the 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 coast of fight was interesting to me because what it looked like to me is that Yanez was not really finding the timing or comfortable with the counters very much, especially in that first round. And I think in a fight against Davy Grant, if that's the case, and you're you know you can either only lead or 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 uh, or throw back uh, yourself, I think uh, it could pose some problems uh, for for Yanez because Davy. I think, well, you, before in, like, let's say the Marlon Vera fight, the Jonathan Martinez fight, you know, he was using uh, his striking to kind of just get more respect overall um, and was not looking to to kind of, like, blend it as well. I think the Martin Day fight is actually a good comparable where you saw that, uh, you know, Davey would land some good punches and stuff and 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 throw back in exchanges, but was looking uh, primarily to get this fight, the fights to, to the ground. And I think here is, uh, that's probably what he should be looking to do as well. Um, overall, I think Grant, 
you know, he is a bit hittable. His head is pretty big, and Yanez does just, have, you know, Yanez does have some, some, you know, punches that uh, just find the button really well. You saw in that Gustavo Lopez fight how he's moving his, you know, moving his head off the center line and countering him pretty easily. But here, you know, I think the 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 money pushing the line up is definitely opening up value on the Grant side because I thought the open what was the opener? The opener was. Um, more in the 240, 250 range, I think that is much more appropriate. You know, Yana is about 70%, um, you know, more or less. When you're, you know, pushing above this minus 300 number on that side, you know, you're kind of giving no real, not not, not much uh, upside for Grant to uh, win, like, a decision and, you know, kind of get this uh, fight to the scorecards. Like, they're, they're pricing grand decision and inside the distance almost equally you know i'm seeing plus 600 on one book for grant inside the distance and you know Yanez is tough i don't think that you know uh grant is super likely to finish him but uh it's not like it's hard to hit uh adrian Yanez. uh you know uh, what's his name um and Grant has won t- uh, yeah. decisions by out grappling people too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, on just both on the on both sides of the aisle, uh, I think there is a considerable opportunity for Grant, and it's and and he's able to be able to okay, you know, maybe first round, uh, just strike and stuff like that, and then the next round, okay, I just grapple, you know, and vice versa. So you know, Grant his grappling game has always impressed me a little bit. You know, I always thought, okay, this guy's a pretty good grappler for for a British guy. So I think that he's a side here. I do think that uh, Giannis has the jab that will uh, affect uh, Grant a bit. So I think if he does have a hard time in this fight, it's because, uh, you know, uh, Giannis establishes that jab. But I think that uh, it's going to be a close fight overall. And I'm thinking about the over, but I don't know. These guys are going to be, they're going to be banging, banging it out. But the minus 160 over is pretty enticing. Yeah, that's over one and a half. Yeah, um, a pretty half, yeah. pretty rare, pretty rare for a bantamweight men's fight to be one and a half. But um, I think it's gonna have a lot of you know chaotic moments, just like Giannis's last fight does, uh, just like David Grant's past few fights have as well. Those have been you know high intensity, high action fights. Um, but yeah, a lot of props that have some value here. Uh, Grant decision plus five hundred, Grant by submission plus fourteen hundred. I mean. I could see this fight going in a lot of different ways. Um, Giannis's fight, last fight against Costa, was you know impressive and worrisome at the same time. You know, uh, this guy was kind of thought of as you know a counter puncher, a uh, guy with some good power, and he didn't really you know make reads that well when Costa was throwing that jab. I mean, Costa was just snapping that jab in his face over and over again, and it took Giannis. I mean, I don't even know if Giannis actually started to ever fully adapt to it. It just seemed like Costa slowed down. Like, he really, really slowed down. I originally thought that the body work of Giannis made Costa slow down, but Giannis didn't even start digging to the body until, like, the second round. Uh, Costa slowed down on his own right. He just couldn't sustain that pace. Uh, And that unorthodox, high-volume, janky style of Costa gave uh, Giannis a lot of issues. And you know who has another janky, weird style? It's It's... Davy Grant, he's got that weird looping punches style. He, you know, box is just so unorthodox. I mean, he, you can see this guy's striking is just so unique. No one else in the UFC boxes like this guy does. So, um, 
It is worrisome that he got dropped by day and Martinez, like Ozzy was saying, but I don't think that Giannis has that, that one punch, you know, knockdown type of power. We saw him really break down uh, Costa with that jab, with that body work of his and did get a nasty knockout there. But I think that it, that's going to have to happen to Grant here as well. He's going to have to get broken down over time instead of just one shot putting him out. But if Grant is getting beat up on the feet, uh, like Ozzy was saying, the guy's a pretty solid grappler. He can hit takedowns. He outgrappled uh, Mar- Marlon Vera to a 30-27 a few years ago. Um, he had some top time and takedowns on Vera when the fight wasn't going his way in the rematch recently. So I think that Grant could make this fight close in the feet, and I think he's the better grappler uh, overall, much better wrestler, and we really haven't seen Yanez uh, tested too much in the grappling. I think he, who did he fight? Tony Gravely back in LFA went the full five rounds? No, Miles, Miles, Miles Johns. Um, yeah, those guys, um, similar analogs for some reason. But yeah, he got pushed against the cage a lot in that fight. He got taken down. Um he just doesn't really have the highest output at times as well. That was a concern of mine in his recent fights um, that he kind of is searching for that knockout. He doesn't have the most consistent volume um, throughout the full five minutes of a round. So I think Grant is extremely live here, plus 260. Um, you might as well wait, though, because that action on Giannis is probably going to keep coming in. The parlays are going to be made uh, with all with all the chalk, and we might even get Grant up to plus 300 by the time fight night comes. So, um, you know, Really fun fight here. Uh, hell of a fight to kick off the main card. What were you going to say? Uh, yeah, so Grant, even though he has gotten dropped on a number of occasions, uh, never been officially knocked out. A bunch of his, Four of his losses are by submission. Um, and uh, Yanez, 3-3 three and three record in decisions. Uh, three, uh, so that means he went to decision six times. Three of those decisions were split decisions. So, you know, this fight goes deeper into, into towards the scorecards. You know, Grant has a ton of rounds under him in the UFC. And uh, it's, I think it's been shown that. So I think there's a little bit of a false flag uh, also being thought of, of seeing Yanez do that sick comeback against Costa that, oh, you know, this guy, you know, uh, if this fight goes to scorecards, like, you know, he's a lock, this, you know, all that. And I don't think that's the case at all because uh, basically, you know, uh, Yanez took the whole round off in round one. He didn't do anything. He didn't do much uh, coming back. Uh, so you had a lot of that energy saved up. So I think if this goes to the decision, uh, potentially uh, Davy Grant, uh, you know, wins this. All right, that's going to move us on to the next fight, women's flyweight division. Probably the fight I'm looking forward to the least on the entire card. I'm going to spend a very short amount of time on this one. Um, and we have uh, Talia Santos, minus 350. Joanne Calderwood, plus 285. I'm sticking with Calderwood instead of Wood. Um, but, you know, I just think that Santos is going to win a decision here. Um She probably does have the better wrestling, uh, or definitely does have the better wrestling. Um Calderwood just tends to get stuck on her back for long periods of time, goes for arm bars, goes for, you know, bullshit submissions, and she just gets stuck on her back for, you know, two, three minutes almost every time she gets taken down. And with the arsenal of takedowns that Santos has, she's probably going to do the same here. Uh, Calderwood should win the striking exchanges just because she's so high output, but I just don't trust Calderwood to keep the fight standing, and I think that uh, Santos is going to win the fight via decision by you know mixing in some takedowns and out grappling her. So, what are your thoughts here? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, Santos looked great in that fight against Roxy. You know, super aggressive. Uh, you know, very well rounded. Mixed it up pretty well. Um, here, I think that uh Calderwood, obviously, I think you know she she needs to keep it on the feet because she has not much of a grappling threat uh, off of her back, and I do think that 
there, I mean, there's some potential if if she's able to, uh, you know, dig under hooks, keep this, you know, keep uh, Santos uh, off of, off of the hips and the legs here, uh, which she couldn't in that fight against Lauren Murphy, where I, I guess she got grounded and almost ten aided uh, at one point. But Calderwood, very very good conditioning, good cardio. She'll come come after you in the third round. Uh, so if Santos is working very very hard in one or both of the first two rounds and you potentially get a split round in, you know, in one of those. Uh, I do think that I would favor Calderwood potentially in the third round uh, if she's able to stop some takedowns. So it's a tricky spot. I see some people that are, you know, higher on Calderwood. I see some people on the other side. I think that I'll have a stab on her, uh, you know, just like last week, you know, he's plus 300 women's MMA dogs. You know, I'm not going broke and that's not going to be what, uh, you know, you know, kills you. So, you know, I think here there is some potential, uh, you know, areas where Calderwood is better, uh, primarily in the volume uh, on the feet and, you know, with elbows and, you know, just uh, some of those things that I don't think uh, Santos has uh, dealt with too much. A lot of the girls that she has fought have been low level athletes and not people that are not really trying to hurt her all that much. And I do think that Calderwood kind of nasty, you know, if you look Molly McCann, Jillian Robertson, Roxanne Modafferi, maybe three of the most harmless girls uh, at 125 in terms of uh, damage and strikes. So How dare I'll, you? I'll take you're, a stab. Up your ass, bro. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> I'll take a stab. I'll take a stab at uh, Joanne and uh, and call it a day. But you know, just a small one. Yeah, um, plus 460 for Calderwood decision. Not not bad. I uh, don't see her finishing this one. So, um, next fight is going to be in the. Men's Bantamweight division, a uh, fight that was booked before. We have Kyung Ho Kang as the minus 115, mm. uh, 115 favorite. Hani Yaya minus 105. And this is a fight that we did talk about before. I'm going to put a link in the description uh, around this fight and the timestamps of where we talked about this yeah. fight for the first time. We had a little bit more of an animated discussion, but the odds yeah. have changed a good amount. So we're going to you know give our, our brief thoughts on this one. And uh, you can start this one off. Yeah, so I mean, when this this fight was booked uh, three months ago, right? I think early early August or uh, the end of July. Um, Hani, I think back then when I bet him, and I bet him for a considerable amount, was uh, close to plus one twenty. Now minus one ten, minus one oh five everywhere. I just think this is a fight where you know Kung Ho Kong. You look back at his last few fights, the guy laying prey master. I mean, not even a laying prey master, just laying and praying not doing any damage, not doing anything, you know, on the ground. Um, you know, he's all, now two-year layoff as well. He's coming in against a guy who actually has grappling offense, you know, on him. Look, he's fought Guido Canetti, Ishihara, Brandon Davis, Lou. I mean, a bunch of these guys, like, he's winning split bottom decisions. Of bottom of the barrel, guys. Winning split decisions. Again, I'll tell you guys, Hani Yahya is the best under 155 grappler there's ever been in the UFC. The best. Hands down. No one better than him. Uh, you know, I don't support that. And he loses is because he's whipping that he's winning so clearly in the in, in the beginning that he tires himself out and then loses in the third round. That's what happens to Hani Yahya. If you look back at all his fights, Joe Soto fight, the the Simone fight, even though Simone fight was kind of back and forth, uh, the Barzola fight, uh, it's just crazy, you know. But this guy's uh you know, really, really good with submissions. Obviously, he can heel hook you. He can squeeze your neck. He can rip your arm off. He can do all that stuff. Uh, Kung Ho Kong doesn't do anything. He's on the feet. He like he's got a, a five inch reach advantage. He has no jab. 
he is free. The leg kicks to leg kick him is free, which I. I'm guarantee you, Ronnie Yahya is in the original time. He was at ATT, so I don't love that, but I'm not sure about that. Don't, don't quote me on that. But I think that Hani is able to – he's pretty got pretty good judo trips and, you know, and, and reaps inside that I don't think Kung Ho Kong has really dealt with too much. And I just don't think that Kung Ho Kong's active enough. Like, he just doesn't do anything. You know, Hani has – his striking has get, been getting better, I think, marginally. And I think he's been uh, improving. And on the other hand, I think Kung Ho Kong has gotten worse. I remember when I watched him against uh, uh, Tanaka, I was like, oh, man, this guy's going to be a good prospect. Nope not did it not happen you know i think he was going to he, he was going to war with guido canetti more or less uh you know three years ago so i like hani here still at this pick and price not as much as i liked him obviously when i was getting you know uh him at six percent less right 45 percent as opposed to like 52 percent or 51 percent now um but i still like him for a bet here i think he's able to push the pace on on kang uh and if he fights intelligently at all He's able to rack up points, make it very clear to the judges that he's working. Kung Ho Kong's a freaking model to be. This guy's not, you know, about this life. And Hani's going to squeeze this guy's neck eventually uh, is my prediction. So I agree with uh, some of what Ozzy said there. Um, I just think I'm not as confident in him, uh, in Yanni, as as Ozzy is because, um, you know, I think he did bring up uh, Kang's recent strength of schedule, but you also got to kind of point to uh, Yaya's past four wins, Briones, Doan, Sanders, Rodriguez. I mean, that could be even lower level than the other guys, but still. Finish them! <laughs> Finish them! Hey, split. I mean, what about uh, Kyung Ho Kang? You forgot to mention this. Split decisions in his past four decisions. He's Ooh, This guy, um, what's his, I, what was his, his record in decisions is not good. Everybody t talks about how Hani Yahya slows down. This guy, Kung Ho Kong, is like four and five in decisions, and he gets these split decisions. I don't know how. This guy doesn't do anything. Nothing. Yeah, he does. He does do virtually nothing. I mean, takedowns, lay and pray. The referee was warning him tons of times in the Brandon Davis fight. He got stood up from top side, side control. He was getting his legs smashed by uh, by Brandon Davis there as well. I think both guys will be able to land calf kicks in this fight. Um, Kang has thrown a lot of calf kicks, and I think that um, you know Yaya could get caught with some of them. It's really going to be a battle of who can start getting them off first, maybe. Um, and you know, Kang is a guy who just relies on his own wrestling and his own grappling to win. And I do think that Yaya is the better overall grappler. And you know, it's just hard to imagine Kang looking like the favorite in this fight when his typical path to victory grappling is probably not going to be there for him. Um, I mean, even if Kang gets a, a takedown, I, I don't think that he's going to keep it for long. I think Yaya is going to be scrambling, sweeping, maybe even submitting them from the bottom position. Um, and the only way I can see Yaya losing this fight is getting stuck on the feet for long periods of time and, you know, getting that calf kick, maybe uh, getting lit up with some punches. But Kang, not a hard hitter, not a high volume striker. Um, you know, Yaya's chin would have to have gone, you know, significantly downhill for him uh, to get, uh, you know, finished by Kang here. So 
Uh, anytime the fight's not going Yaya's way on the feet, I think he should be able to hit those level changes and out grapple. And as long as Yaya's cardio keeps up for the full 15 minutes, um, he should be good to win the fight via decision or submission. And the last time we did see Yaya go the full 15 was against Barzola. Sure, he slowed down after winning the first two rounds, but Barzola, significantly better fighter and better grappler, I would say, than Kang. So, um, you know, got to cut Yaya a little bit slack there. And he did survive to make it to a draw decision. So, um, you know, I'll be signing with Yahya here as well. Not quite as confident in Aussie, but I'm still going to be picking him. And that's going to move us along to the co-main event. Extremely fun fight in this co-main event. We have Sean Brady as the minus 158 favorite. Michael Chiesa as the plus 138 dog. And, you know... I'm a big fan of both of these guys, you know, a, a little bit less of a fan uh, of Chiesa after that last fight. We were definitely on him against uh, Vincente Luque, and it looked like things were going well. He got the double leg takedown. He was in side control. Uh, Luque gave up his back. He seemed to be kind of panicking at first. And then, you know, Michael Chiesa went for two dumb rear naked choke attempts with, with only one hook in, allowed Luque to, to scramble out, got caught in that Darce, and, you know, tapped to a, a Darce with no leg control. And I... I I took that as a sign that he kind of wilted there. He kind of saw a way out of the fight. It wasn't going his way. And I think that, you know, possibly that could uh, that could translate here. I mean, he's fighting another big, strong, good grappler in Sean Brady. Probably the first guy at welterweight who um, Brady might be looking to take Kiesa down. A lot of Kiesa's opponents at welterweight were, were former lightweights, um, RDA, Diego Sanchez, um, you know, Neil Magny definitely being the best win at his welterweight run. Um, but Neil Magny's been taken down and, and outgrappled by lots of guys throughout his career. I think Sean Brady would be a, you know, a pretty significant favorite over Neil Magny in the minus like 200 range. Um, and you know, Brady's just been looking better and better at each fight. Uh, I, I still think that he isn't quite proven enough to deserve minus 160 here, though. I mean, I, I am going to be picking him to win the fight. I envision Sean Brady getting his hand raised. I just can't endorse, you know, betting him at, uh, you know, 60% or higher versus Mike Chiesa, who Chiesa is going to be Brady's toughest opponent today. Definitely his highest profile name. Um, and uh, Brady has been looking really good lately. His cardio has been looking good, finishing guys in the second and third round. His top game is really strong. I just think that Kiesa's main game here of being able to grapple and wrestle is going to be shut down largely by uh, Brady being a, you know, a strong, athletic, good defensive grappler. So I'll be picking Brady to win a decision here. Uh, I don't see this one finishing. I think it would be pretty unlikely for a finish to happen here. So maybe the overs and the goes the distance at plus money goes the distance plus money here i don't understand that really um so uh fight starts round three minus 150 what why 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 is it so low um so maybe you can share some insight on that what are you thinking here i've been man i've been going back and forth in this fight and i've been trying to because i'm like man there has to be some opportunity here to make some money uh be and you know i'm just looking at kiesa's career and i've been a big i mean kiesa goes into my hall of fame for the Rafael Dos Anjos fight, obviously, just, you know, amazing performance by him there. But and he's fought four fights or five fights, I guess, at, uh, at welterweight. Yeah. And just he strike output and none of those fights is, is large. Uh, he gets multiple takedowns in all those fights, except for the Vicente Luque fight, which he gets obviously finished. Uh, off of that one takedown and you know coming in here matching up against sean brady the thing is brady uh is just way more damage focused and looking to you know uh, put strikes on you and you know go for submissions and you know do all these things than all these other guys that um 
you know Kiesa has fought. People, I think, try the thing how people try to handicap these fights, and I think it's difficult for them because they see a guy Vicente Luque, they see a guy Neil Magny, Rafael dos Anjos, and they don't give because they these guys have long elongated ufc careers they don't give enough credit to a person like sean brady mm -hmm. uh because sean brady is much younger in his fight career but this guy has gone far in fights he has you know close to what 15 fights now and i think him fighting any of those guys i i, I think that brady is in there like i think sean brady versus vicente luke would be a scrap you know i don't think that you know, vicente would be that heavily favored over brady um and, you know, the thing with uh, Kiesa is this guy slows down too much in, in some of these fights. You see, even in the Rafael de Sonia's fight, yeah, he gets these takedowns in the second and third rounds. But, you know, he's considerably tiring. And the thing with uh, Dos Anjos is he has no, he didn't not really have a uh, get-up ability or, uh, or, or much of a bottom game. So he's not able to take advantage of that uh, conditioning. And same thing with Neil Magny. He's just so skinny and not too strong that Kiesa was able to hold him down. But I think it was in like that fourth round, fifth round. Kiesa said, he's like, man, I was super tired going into that and yada, yada, yada. And I was like doubting myself. I think Kiesa, a little bit of a mental midget, uh, makes some bad decisions, you know, at some points in fights. Uh, clearly in the Vicente Luque fight, he made a bad decision. And uh, he kind of gave up there once he got caught in that choke because there's no way that, you know, if you're a, a good grappler, you go down into your half guard. You have to know one, that the guy's going to go for a Darce and you have to know what your defenses are and he didn't really hit uh any of them i think you should have been able to bridge you know and loosen up that choke a little bit but to go on the sean brady side overall on the feet i think that uh he's gonna be able to pursue michael chiesa uh pretty well chiesa as soon as that fight started against rda or uh, against uh, luke he's running a whole marathon there uh you know circling around uh, he's never, not that he's never fought in the uh, apex because obviously, or he has not fought in the apex, but I think he has some experience in the small cage, but I think that uh, he hasn't had any experience uh, of late uh, in that small cage. I think it'll be much easier for Brady to cut the cage on him. He's got a dynamite left hook. I think he's got some good body kicks. I think he throws to the body well with his hands as well. And I think that uh, Kiesa, his uh, best takedowns are uh, coming from the clinch with those uh, very, very long arms. But I think that uh, in the clinch, uh, Brady should be able to stay in good position, not give up those takedowns uh, very easily. And I think later in the fight, I think in the second and third rounds, I think that you'll see Sean Brady on top of uh, Kiesa. And once he is on top of him, I think this is going to be bad news for Kiesa. So as this week has been going on, I've been growing more confident in Sean Brady. I am always cognizant of trying to, uh, to not lay too much juice. So I'm trying to get this under minus 145. Because that 60%, I think that's a little bit that's asking for for a lot from uh, from Sean Brady. But I think that uh, just the the damage overall, just you know the the damage. It's just the Kiesa. You've never seen him. He doesn't throw ground and pound on the feet. He doesn't you know uh, land uh, all that much. He doesn't throw a lot of volume out. Uh, and I think that Brady has just too much of, a, of an advantage there with uh, the strikes that will accumulate. Uh, that should uh, leave him as the uh, victor uh, in some way, shape, or form. I'm not going to get too much into the prop side of things because I think it's a toss-up, like you said, whether it goes distance or gets finished. Uh, but I like uh, Brady Moneyline here uh, under minus 150. You know, I, I mean, I'm leaning a little bit heavier towards goes the distance. I think it could be could be value there at, at plus money. Um, 
And yeah, Perfect. good yeah, points yeah. about good points about the damage. I mean, the, one of these guys just hits so much harder than the other. Kiesa doesn't land ground and pound. He's going to be have to outgrapple Brady for like seven, yeah. eight, nine minutes to win this fight, and you know that's going to be a tough task. I just don't think it's going to happen, man. Brady's very well schooled. He comes from a really, really good gym, and he's been training for a long time and a lot. I think that you know, uh, Kiesa's flying all around. He's doing this commentary work all this stuff and a lot of these match a few of these matchups that he's gotten uh were good matchups you know rda one you know nobody saw it at the time that was a good matchup for him the uh magni fight obviously a good matchup for him and then he fought luke who luke gets taken down you know sometime decent matchup for him but even then he couldn't win that fight so and one last thing very important here one guy one of these guys has a tattoo of a tiger the other guy has a tattoo of him choking a, a tiger um you know so Make sure you do your research and realize who's who. But I'm going with the guy who's choking the tiger. Um, and that's going to bring us to the main event. Extremely weak main event. I mean, I am so not looking forward to this fight at all. Women's Bantamweight division. Uh, Ketlin Vieira, minus 115. Misha Tate, minus 105. My turn, right? Um, yep. Yeah, so, you know, I, I watched that, I've, I've watched that Misha Tate fight a few times. Um you know, the Renal fight? The, yeah, the Misha Tay Renal fight a few mm, times. You sicko. Uh, uh, yeah. But uh be, I mean it's the only you know, it's the only relevant tape that you could get for Misha Tate. And it just I mean, I she looked like the same girl from before to me overall. You know, she is tenacious, she is in good shape overall. Um, and she, you know, knows where, where her strengths lie. You know, even in her interviews this week, she's saying, Hey, you know, I don't think I'm gonna win this the whole fight, but eventually you know i'm gonna get the win yeah you know cliche kind of kind of stuff you know looking at catlin catlin the 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 issue here for me to for for me to back tate is that catlin overall i think on the feet is actually i think a little bit better than misha tate misha tate just when she's in her stance she's like very very bladed uh, you know, trying to like pull out this jab and just land this right hand. If you see how Marion Renault approaches that fight, she's able to circle away from her uh, right hand you know, at will. You know, Misha Tate doesn't isn't able to land too many good strikes at all. And then you know she's diving in on the legs, and then she she has to grind the fight. Whereas uh, Ketlin, I think if she wants to stand at range with Misha Tate, I think she'll be able to land more than her. I think she'll be able to be more active, you know, uh, and, and mix up the punches better. Um, but it's just a, a matter of one Ketlin, you know, misses weight, miss weight her last fight, um, you know, slows down a lot, right? So, you know, you, you're thinking of her uh, in the fourth and fifth rounds against Misha Tate, who I don't think is going to go away. I do think is here to, you know, I'm not, I don't think she's trying, going on a title run, but I think that is her plans. You know, she's here to win these fights. And I think that uh, if Ketlin doesn't get one of these submissions on Tate early, I think she could be in some trouble because, you know, she definitely slows down these later uh, rounds. Um, when she is on her back, she's not really trying to get up all that much. Uh, she does go for some submissions, which... You know, I think maybe she could, you know, lock up Misha a little bit. I don't know what Misha's, uh, you know, uh, deep ground game goes as far as uh, if she's getting, you know, tangled up with like leg locks and things like that, which I know that uh, Ketlin does go for on occasion. Ketlin does have a decent camp down there in Brazil. I saw some pictures that, you know, Pinheiro's down there as well. But they have a good collection of training partners, uh, you know, on the women's side, uh, men's and women's side. So I saw there was a considerable amount of uh, females there as well. Um, but, yeah, I just think that 
uh, she, she, uh, Misha Tate's uh, takedown defense, not very proven, uh, you know, and uh, through her whole career, right? Uh, Raquel Pennington took her down. Uh, Holly, didn't even Holly Holm take her? No, Holly Holm didn't take her. No. No, but Holly Holm was able to defend a bunch of takedowns. But, uh, you know, Sarah McMahon took her down. You know, obviously Rousey, Kat Zingano. You know, she gets taken down. Uh, so I think if Ketlin's able to push her against the fence, get in on these double leg takedowns uh, early on, she should be able to take her down. But I think that Ketlin in the beginning is going to try and just box her face off. But I don't really have too much of a lean here. I do feel like a sissy because I do like uh, pick them fights. And I, you know, I do, I always feel bad when I don't uh, pick a side. But I think I'm going to just stay away from this, don't, not take another main event L. But if I had to, if I was forced to, to pick a side, I do think I'd take the Ketlin Vieira side because I think that it's going to be difficult for Misha to get offense going without the help of uh, of Vieira. Yeah, I know I said I wasn't like interested in this fight, but I did do, you know, a, a good amount of tape and, you know, looked into it a little bit. Um, and I got a lean Vieira as well. Um, I mean, I was kind of picking Renal in, in the fight against Tate. So, I mean, I feel like it would be kind of an embarrassment not, not to pick Vieira here as well. I mean, Tate looked good. I mean, Renal uh, probably the easiest matchup in the division. But, I mean, Tate, her, her physicality, her, her cardio, you know, she was throwing ground and pound, eventually got that finish. I mean, she looked good. Um, she looked completely rejuvenated from that, that long layoff. But you got to think that she really hasn't been hit that hard since the layoff as well. I mean, Renal maybe landed one or two right hands and uh, Tate ate them. But, I mean, Vieira is going to be hitting pretty significantly harder than Tate. So if the fight stays at boxing range, I do expect Tate to be uncomfortable for Vieira to, to be winning those exchanges. Uh, Vieira had some pretty competitive uh, striking exchanges with uh, Sajara Eubanks. Um, I think Eubanks is kind of underrated as a striker and, you know, Vieira was able to win that fight, um, via mixing in the takedowns as well. Um, some trends I'm noticing with Vieira though, is she loves going with that, that body lock outside trip takedown. That's her go-to outside trip. She goes that for almost all of her takedowns. I also noticed that in her past two fights, she immediately tries to pressure her opponents and get them up to the cage. Both Yana and Sajara, she kind of charged forward right away and was able to get some cage push time. But the Yana Kuna Sky fight, I think, is a real concern because Yana was able to, to you know, trade back, uh, clinch position back and forth. Yana was able to take her down in round two, kept her on her back for over four minutes. I mean, Vieira was looking like a fish out of water on her back against Yana Kuna Sky, not exactly the heaviest top game. And then uh, Vieira was controlling round three of that fight, but let her slip out in the last 20 seconds, ate some shots, and got unlucky with that decision there. I mean, it could have gone either way. Um, but if you look at Vieira's past three round threes versus Eubanks, versus Zingano, and versus Yana Kunitskaya, all three judges scored the round against her in all three of those fights. So it's clearly, that, um, clearly evident that she's slowing down in these fights, that she's having trouble winning that round three and that's unfortunate for her because she's going in a five round fight here against a woman with good cardio who has a good chance to you know come back in these later rounds so in terms of a pre-fight bet for this one i do think that Vieira's decide i do favor her to win rounds one maybe round two and Vieira could just come out and maybe land a few punches and tate shells up and and you know gets TKO'd or something as well. But if the fight gets into the third, fourth round, I could see Tate, you know, coming back, getting some top position, winning those later rounds. Um, so I think Tate's a, a better live bet here. You might as well just wait to bet her. I think you're going to get her a plus money. And, uh, you know, I guess I'll be going with uh, Vieira as a pick. I'm, I'm really 
conflicted on the outcome here. We've had a lot of main events go to the decision. I think seven of the past eight UFC main events have made it to the decision. And a lot of those fights were favored to end inside the distance, and they didn't. So, um, you know, I, I kind of lean uh, this fight going the distance just based on that trend. Um, and I think, you know, it going the distance could possibly favor Misha Tate. So I'm kind of all over the place with this fight. I don't have a confident pick, but I guess I'll be going with Vera as my official pick. There you go. Any uh, Any closing thoughts here? No, not really. I think it's a good fight card overall, top to bottom. I do think that, uh, you know, well matched overall. Um, I think lastly, obviously, we need to give our parlay. Yeah, uh, well, I again. think last week, didn't we give Dalton Jung and Andrew Lee? Three to one. Three to one uh, parlay did come through last week. So so we're up. If you hit bet one unit on that, you'd be up three units. So let's look to keep it rolling. I'm going to take, like, I, I think uh, I'm going to take uh, Nathan, Nathan Levy. As my pick, uh, money line plus 105, you could get at most places or a lot of places uh, right now. Uh, so I'll take that one. And uh, who, who are you going to go with? Dan, that, that, uh, that was going to be mine as well. But um, mm. let me think. I think uh, one of the overs in one of these early fights, um, let me think. Let the people down. Um. Damn, yeah, this is a tough, tough decision. I'll go Sean Brady, I guess. Sean, Sean Brady. Brady. Okay, so we'll go with Natal Levy plus 105. Sean Brady will go minus uh, 157. We'll do the, the, the five dimes price. So at two-team parlay there, uh, let's see if we uh, we keep that rolling. I like that one. I like that parlay. So uh, nice. And, you know, 12 fights, not, not a lot of name recognition on this card, a lot of new UFC fighters. But like I said, I consider, um, you know, Kiesa, Brady, Yaya Kang, and then the five middle fights from Yanez to McKinney. All those are good fights. So I think there's seven good fights on this card. You know, a few stinker matchups as well. But for a card with that much name value, I think we're going to have some good fights. Uh, there's some good lines to bet on. And uh, I think we're going to have a good card anyway. So hope you all enjoy the card. We got a one-week break before, um, you know, there's a Thanksgiving next week. So we have a week off and uh, hope you all enjoy uh, the fights this weekend. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for supporting. Make sure you hit the like button, subscribe, listen on uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes. Make sure you're subscribing wherever you listen. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you all in two weeks. Peace out. Peace. Thank you.